Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Tonight we have a guest speaker. Most of you know uh, Pastor Ron Simpkins, and he has been a friend of mine for over 44 years. When he prayed with me the night that I got saved, I always told people I know of at least one prayer that he prayed that was answered because I'm still here today. And so let's, he's been a friend of our church forever, and so let's give him a warm welcome as he comes. Somebody shout out Spider-Man. Well, it's been a while. I have to preach it again, but not tonight. Not tonight. Is that all right? So to me, this is like Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. Hallelujah. To come here is such always a blessing. My wife said to tell you hi. She's from Kingman. A few of you remember her. Amen. But we've been married over 20 years, so (laughs) things change. Hallelujah. But I, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is a great place. How many believe this is a great place? And you know what? Look at the person next to you saying it's a great place because you're here. It's a great place because you're here. Amen. Hallelujah. I want you to think, though, uh, I don't want to keep you here late, so I'm looking at the clock, try to move fast. Uh, You know, as a preacher, I've been doing this for almost 50 years. That's a long time. Amen. A lot of you can relate. And my preaching style, I think, has changed from black to white almost. Because I was a preacher, I was, an, I was a mean preacher at one time, angry preacher. How many ever been to an angry church? You know, and angry prophets and angry pastors. And I could preach, I could preach hot and heavy. I could preach in a way, have you down here at the altar eating carpet and weeping and <laughs> snot flying and all this stuff. But I kind of got tired of it. <laughs> I assume most of you are here because you got tired of it, because a lot of hands came up. <clears throat> and you said, I like a little more grace. There's like a little bit more. How many like a little more grace? I don't, I don't want to hang around with people that don't even care about God or living for God. I'm not talking about that. But a little grace would help. And in my preaching, for a long time, I just tell tell, and, and I have to admit to you, I'm going to tell a few stories tonight. Is that all right? That's kind of the Simpkins definition. Uncle Ron Ron tells stories. Amen. But I have to admit, I would, I would kind of just try to say things, make people feel good, and then, it, and then I got convicted. And, and I realized I wasn't necessarily preaching the truth. I remember I put together a sermon called The Lies My Pastor Taught Me. It was not my best sermon. Well, it might have been my best sermon, but it, they threw me out of the fellowship within a couple of weeks <laughs> after I preached. And so tonight I'm, I'm going to try to convict you, but have fun. How does that sound? <laughs> That's my goal. Amen. Tell the truth and kind of smooth it over, bandage you up a little with a couple of funny stories, but also kind of go for the throat a little bit. So is that all right? Is that all right? If you don't want that, then feel free to slip out. And uh, so anyway, if you want to look at uh, a scripture with me, it's Genesis 3, 7 to 12. And I would have to even say, I'm a little hesitant to tell this, 
I, 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 there was a time where I would preach to try to fix everybody, and I'm still trying to fix you. But I'm not sure we're all fixable. Does anybody else have issues in your life that may not, may not be fixable? Wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. I've got a good friend of mine, Scott Cavanis. He's back in the East Coast. He, he uh, works with uh, autistic kids. He's doing something that is just so astounding in some ways. Amen. Because he's teaching them to play instruments. And, and hundreds of people come to watch these kids that are massively handicapped to, to begin to play ukuleles and do this. And he was telling me this story the other day. Matthew is, is about an eight-year-old. He can't talk, but he can communicate. And how he communicates is like right now in the summer, he'll come to learn the ukulele with his Hawaiian shirt, his shorts, and <clears throat> flip-flops. And the reason he wears them is because that's what my friend Scott wears. <laughs> and, but the problem with Matthew is when he gets stubborn, he just gets stubborn. Amen. And I think that's kind of one of the traits. And so they'll go to play and there'll be 700 people to come and hear him. And Matthew will walk up to where the curtain <coughs> ends and he won't go on stage. So Scott will say to him, just stand there and play, Matthew. <laughs> Amen. We just, we'll count you as part of the crowd. And I tell you tonight, if all you can do is stand behind the curtain, stand behind the curtain. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. And don't hear anything I'm saying to try to make you what you can't do, but let's do what we can do. How many believe you could do a little better? Wave at me if you think you could do a little better. Well, I want to talk to you this story of Adam and Eve. It's a root story to some degree of the Bible almost. It's the beginning of man's problem with God. And I want to look at four things in this story that I think may be able to help us or help some of us. It says here, and the eyes of them, talking about Adam and Eve, were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard the voice, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou were naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou should not eat? And the man said, The woman. <laughs> yeah, you've already got the idea. <laughs> thou gavest to me. <laughs> Be with me. She gave me the tree, and I did eat. Well, you've already, you've already caught the sermon. We could just go ahead and go eat some chicken or something. Uh, amen. But they pay me by the minute I preach, so I better keep going. Four things. They don't really. That's a lie. Forgive me for lying. I'm trying to, trying to get over it. Four things that I see here. They heard God, <laughs> but what? They didn't respond. Anybody here? God's told you to do something that you haven't done. <laughs> if I were to, I probably had all, almost the whole crowd could raise their hand on that kind of thing. That's the problem. Say, that's the problem. Number two, they were afraid. They were afraid. Number three, they, <laughs> they were naked. <laughs> and they're hid. Hallelujah. So <laughs> I got to keep myself under control. 
And number four, Adam blamed Eve. So let's think about those four because I think this is it. And, and there's nothing I think that's probably more significant than us hearing God and responding to what he says. It's been very exciting for me this week, just going around, I've been talking to your leaders and I've been talking to different people and there's something that is happening where people are hearing God. Amen. Anybody here would say that God's raising the volume in your life a little bit. You're, you're more aware, more attuned. Well, I want to think about it because I think this is maybe the most significant thing that we can ever do. I think that too many times we just follow rules. We think Christianity is just coming to church, and that's important, and we could talk about it, but I don't think there's anything more important that you would hear God. And I have to say, when I was even a first a pastor, I remember Larry Neville asking me, he said, what's God told you? And, and I repent, I'm so sorry. But I told him, I said, I don't really listen to God because my pastor was Jack Harris. What if Jack Harris told me to do something and God told me not to? <laughs> Can anybody relate to that? I'd just soon not hear from God <laughs> than get in trouble with my pastor. Amen. I, I have to say I've repented of that. And I've tried to become more aware of what God would say because there's no way we can change the world except to hear from God. How many need something? I, I can almost guarantee the only way you'll ever get it will not be just by your working, not by just <laughs> you're trying to fix it. It's when God tells you how to respond and what to do. Amen. And, and I, I know that it's difficult. It's hard to understand sometimes what God's saying. I know even prophets that have trouble interpreting. They get a vision or a word, but they can have trouble interpreting the right thing that would happen. But the world is changed by people that hear from God. Do you believe me? There's a guy that's uh, name is Manuel Beasley. He's, uh, he, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he was one of the most popular preachers in America, especially among Baptists. My brother has a Baptist church of several thousand. And every year he had this guy, and he's a great preacher, but he started out almost a nobody and struggling and going from small church to small church. But he hadn't been able to be educated the way he would have liked to because of Vietnam War and just different things. So there was this guy, Paul Sika, who was an evangelist who he, every time he got a chance, he would go and try to uh, hook up with Paul Sika and set the service and hear him preach and steal his notes. And, and he just, he, it was kind of like his mentor. They didn't actually talk, but it was his mentor. And, and Paul Sika had been about 100 miles from him and he had gone to see him preach at this church and he's sitting in the crowd and uh, as he's sitting there listening to Paul, God says to him, give him your shoes. <laughs> give him your shoes. And well, the problem with that was it was his birthday the day before, and his wife had bought him some brand new floor shine red shoes. <laughs> Amen. And so he knows it's not going to go over well if he comes home <laughs> that night and he's giving away his shoes. And so he says, that can't be God. You know what I mean? And so he just kept listening. But then a few minutes or more, or, uh, the sermon goes on another 20 minutes or so. And all of a sudden, God said, I said, give him your shoes. Well, he, Paul looks up on the stage and he realizes 
this guy, Paul Seeker, or Emmanuel Beasley said, God told him to give him suits, looks at Paul Seeker and he sees Paul Seeker has little tiny feet. Emmanuel Beasley had like 13s. You know, and he's going, well, that can't be God. <laughs> you know, he can't wear those shoes. And uh, so he just goes on. And he leaves the service and he's getting ready to drive home. It's a horrible rainstorm. And he sees a flash of lightning, looks over, sees under a light, Paul Sika sitting in a car waiting for the pastor to come to drive him to his next meeting. And God says, it's your last chance. Give him your shoes. So Manuel Beasley took his shoes off, waited in the mud up to the window, and the guy was freaked out. You know, this guy in a rainstorm's got his shoes. <laughs> but he rolled the window down, and, and, and Manuel Beasley didn't tell him who he was or anything. He just said, here, God told me to give you these. Well, <clears throat> and he left. And he went on, and he was doing what it was, but, and about three years went by. And he had heard that Paul Sika had gotten cancer. But he had whipped it, and through chemo and stuff, he'd come, but he was kind of weak. He was an older guy, and he went to see him because he was in the area again. And when he went to see him, they actually hooked up, and they were able to get a cup of coffee and talk to each other. Amen. And Paul Sika told him that, uh, that he, want, he was looking for somebody that might travel with him, and he could mentor, disciple, and, and could help. Emmanuel Beasley told him, I, I, I'm your guy. I want to do it. I'll do it. And Paul Sika said, no, I'm looking for a certain guy. And he said, who are you looking for? And he told him the story that when he had drove out of that parking lot, gone to the next meeting, he was sitting with the pastor of the church he was going to preach at. When the assistant pastor came in and he said, guess what? My wife just gave me a brand new suit and the suit's red, but I don't have any shoes. <laughs> and Paul Sika said, I got your shoes. Amen, and he gave the guy his shoes. And Emmanuel Beasley asked him, well, why, why, why you say that? Because I'm looking for the man that's so obedient to God that if God tells him to give away his shoes in a rainstorm, he'll do it. And Emmanuel Beasley was able to look at him and said, I was the guy who did it. Now I said that to say this. He traveled for, I think it was about three or four years with with Paul Sika, he met the biggest churches and pastors in America. He spent the rest of his life speaking in platforms you couldn't even imagine, but it all went back to hearing God speak. Amen. 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 As I was thinking about this tonight, I remember the story of Howard driving by this empty lot, and God said, buy the lot. And he didn't have a nickel in the bank. And it was the beginning of the adventure of this church. I have a friend that he was sitting in a conference and God told him to go to the Philippines. He got so excited, left his car in the parking lot and ran two miles, amen, to tell his wife, we're moving to the Philippines. And there's like 3,000 churches there today because of what he did. God wants to speak to you. How many here would say tonight, I need to listen more. And when God, if God speaks to me, I will respond. Let's pray. Hey, don't get too excited. We're not done, but it's four, but let's pray. Father, we so do love you, we, and we love the Holy Spirit, and we want to hear the Holy Spirit, and we want to hear that voice in fresh ways, God, and give us the courage to obey. Give us the courage, God, that even when it sounds almost strange or impossible, that, God, you're going to bless us 
and open wells of living water in our life. And God, we need your voice. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Can you say amen? Number two, he was afraid. He was afraid. They were, they were afraid. And you've got to face your fears. Look at the person next to you and say, face your fears. Amen. I can almost tell you the problem is you hear God and Satan shows up. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? You hear God and Satan shows up and he tries to scare you. Amen. And something happens that can come. And maybe we should be a little afraid. We live in a fallen world. We've got a real enemy, the devil. And I have to say, even God is a little scary. It's like having your best friend be an elephant or something. <laughs> we, we own this uh, St. Bernard, and I have to be very careful when I'm going down the stairs. That dog loves me, but he could kill me. Because if I'm not watching, if she's behind me, man, she wants to jump up on me. She wants to snuggle, and I'm not that good at going down those stairs anymore. And I, I get it. God's a little scary in some ways. But you know, the Bible over and over tells us that we're not supposed to fear. We're not supposed to be afraid. Now, and hear me too. Don't, don't pick up a bunch of guilt. I get it. I've had some anxiety at times in my life. And it's hard when you're, you're just, you're wound tight. Who, does anybody else know what I'm talking about? You're, and your heart's like beating out of your chest. And, 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 you know, you try to say, well, just calm down. Yeah, sure, fat chance on that. But I want to tell you, by faith, say by faith, the key to the Christian life is facing your fear. It's facing your fear. I have a pilot's license, which is a scary thing, amen, that, that I'm flying over and I can't chew gum and walk. And uh, when I got my pilot's license, the biggest moment of a pilot's life is when they get their solo. And you, they take your T-shirt and cut a chunk out of it and there's all kinds of things. Probably several others have it. And I was in Flagstaff, Arizona when I got the license. And <clears throat> the problem is that it's, it's a really, really rough airport. In fact, it has the highest accident rate, I think, in the country. It did at one time, may still have it, because it's a crosswind and all kinds of stuff like this. And so I was supposed to get my fly and solo, which means just flying by yourself in a little Cessna 152. But every time I'd come for about four or five times, it would it would be so rough the instructor wouldn't let me fly. He let me fly, but not without him in the plane. Well, I'm there this day, and it's wild. It's crazy. Wind's blowing. It's, it's all over the place we come. But he said, that's it, Ron. You're soloing today. I said, well, man, you know, I wouldn't mind waiting another day. <laughs> but I got in that little 152. I'll never forget as long as I live as I took that, and I pushed that throttle to the line and pulled it up and it got about 500 feet up and as God is my witness, a bee flew out of the heater vent. Now that might not mean much to you, but I'm terrorized to bees. I've run screaming down golf courses, waving a one wolf, one would yell, yelling like a little seven-year-old girl, amen, because a bee's after me. So I'm, I'm in this little tiny plane, and I'm telling you, and, and I, looking back, I think that bee was the size of a German shepherd. 
and, and I'm, I'm supposed to be flying this going around the circle and coming back to land, but I've got the door open, trying to suck it out, windows open. It's obvious. I, I, I know my instructor, he's going, what is he doing? <laughs> but I was freaking out, and I was not in tune with the plane as I tried to land it, and I slammed it into the ground, bounced five feet in the air, and looked over at my instructor, and he goes, meaning go around again, that one didn't count. So I thought, well, this time it'll be okay because the bee's gone, it disappeared. But as God's my witness, at about a thousand feet, that bee came out again. Now, you may not believe me, but I believe absolutely that that was a devil. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a devil. That was not a bee. That was the devil trying to kill me. And I did something that I never have done <clears throat> before, and as God's my way, I reached out and grabbed that bee and crushed it. Crushed it. Because I wasn't gonna die. <laughs> and got my license. How many here tonight? You got something you need to reach out and crush. Does anybody, anybody at all? You'd raise your hand. There's something you, you need to face your fear. There's a fear that grips you and holds you back in your personality, whatever it is, tonight, let's believe. How many can, you actually can think of something specific in your life right now? You'd raise your hand. You'd raise your hand. And it's just as simple, gang. If we'll just agree, <laughs> it can turn. Now, we'll warn you, the anxiety, the conflict may arise again, but we stand by faith. Amen. Amen. And Adam had to face his fear. Had to face his fear. Father, we release fearlessness. We release fearlessness. God, we, we break the hold of those things that the enemy tries to use about our home, our family, our finances, our personality, our, our heritage. God, and we claim the promises of your word and we crush Satan under our feet. Say amen. amen. And the third thing, quickly, we're doing okay, I think. Hallelujah, you, you tell me, are we doing okay? Yeah. Okay, good, good. The third thing is they were naked. They were naked. Anybody ever had the dream where you find yourself at work naked? Anybody? anybody uh, it's a horrible dream. Yeah, I hope not. I hope not. You better hope not. I, I'm not that attractive even when I've got something in my belly button, a little diamond or something. You, unless you're a chubby chaser, and that's another story for another time. Now... There's so many ways we could take this on and we could look at it. But I, I want you to think, there's a couple things I think we ought to think. I don't think Adam appreciated what he had. You know, <laughs> and, uh, forgive me if this offends you or whatever it is, but I don't know. It sounds kind of like a trip running around naked in the woods <laughs> in, in, in paradise and you're not even, you don't even feel guilty. I'm telling you, I'd feel guilty. 
The only person I want to be naked around is my wife. Amen. And that's because she's a great liar. Amen. <laughs> she, already, she told me this week already, man, I know you're looking sexy there. I think, oh, you lie to me, baby. Lie to me. Tell me. And she pretty much does love me as I am. <laughs> so where was I going? Where'd that come from? I don't know. But the, the, the first thing I want you to think about with me is, I think that maybe more than anything, God wants us to enjoy where we are. Even though it's, it's a mess, even though it's bad. My folks went to Alaska, and I asked my, I asked my parents how it was, and I'll never forget my dad said, the most fun was just getting there. Because their friends, they'd gone with high school friends and they just ate and laughed and partied. And you know what? It's a powerful thing when you just enjoy the journey. We used to drive out to California from Colorado every year and it was a hell trip in that car because every two minutes, are we there? Are we there? Do we look like we're there? I'll never forget one time we'd come to California. We'd gone to Disneyland. It's about 11 o'clock at Disneyland. 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 You get the idea. And my son, John, he comes up to me. He says, Dad, when are we going to Knott's Berry Farm? And I grabbed him by his little neck. and <laughs> probably picked him up. I couldn't do it now. He's six, seven. But I picked him up and I said, Listen. I'd spent our whole bank account to take our eight kids. Eight kids. That's the stupidest thing in the world to have eight kids. <laughs> I was broke. Lunch is going to cost my retirement. And he, you're at Disneyland. And if you don't enjoy yourself, I'm going to kill you. And I think sometimes that's what God thinks of us. <laughs> you, you know, you're in the house of God. You're, you're, you're in the courts of praise and this stuff. And you're going, ah, when, when are we going to go watch Game of Thrones? <laughs> you know, and the Holy Spirit wants you to grab you and say, <laughs> enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. But I would say this, number two, on, on this idea of being naked. Sometimes we just may need to realize that we may never be perfect and we find ourselves naked but still valuable. Catch a picture. This is probably the one that grabbed me the most when I read this story. Why are, why, they sinned. They've blown it. They messed up. That's why they're hiding. Because they're afraid. They're afraid of God. And yet God is saying, Alec, Alec. <laughs> and they're hiding there and they're putting on fig leaves. <laughs> ah. Have you ever, as a pastor, I've a couple times found myself all of a sudden, God's just exposed me and I might as well be naked. You know what I mean? Where I think I'm just doing great and all of a sudden God tells me I, I'm just a mess. Has anybody else ever been there? 
And you know, but when he tells you that, it's not to destroy you. It's to help you. And some of you, maybe tonight, you find yourself, you've not done perfect. You're not perfect. And you've, you, you've woke up this morning and go, oh my God, I'm naked. What do you do? Go to God. <laughs> Hi, Jesus. I, I, I blew it again. But I know you love me. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I think sometimes, I think honestly, can I be honest with you? Well, somebody shake. John, can I be honest? Okay, okay, it's all right. Okay, good. I trust John. I'm not talking about way in the past the last year or so. As, as I was working on this sermon, God really dealt with me. That sometimes we spend all our time trying to pretend we're better than what we are. You know, as a pastor, it's really tough to be open and honest. Amen. Because people will just eat you alive. Sometimes, if you are. Not because, I, I don't have any friends, especially at this age. I don't even know if I could sin. You know, it's all thought, not action. Hardly anything works enough to get higher. Have an affair. If you wanted to have an affair, I probably couldn't. Is that too, too, too open? But I've, God's been dealing with me. That's, I've spent so much time, instead of getting to know him and coming into his face and drawing near to him, I'm putting fig leaves on thinking that it's going to cover me up. And what I need to do is just get honest. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Raise your hand if you hear what I'm saying. Because you have, you have a job, even broken, even imperfect. There's a job, there's a purpose, and now God's the Redeemer. Isn't it the whole story of the Bible of God taking people that deserve to be beat up on and forgiving and cleansing and helping? And so I encourage you to, to, today to understand. And quickly, finally, <laughs> maybe the hardest. So here, can you see Adam? He, he, <laughs> amen. He, he hears God, but he hides. He's afraid. He's in the woods. God's calling his name. He's not coming out. Putting on fig leaves. Naked, but he, but he comes out. And so you've been, he's been pretty well cornered by now. And God says to him, so what are you doing? Adam doesn't go, oh, God, forgive me. He says, it's the woman you gave me. <laughs> These are the four biggest problems, I think, in life in some ways. You know, I feel like I've spent my whole life being criticized. Anybody else wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that we're surrounded by critics if we're not careful. And, and we're blaming each other. I think it's the root of prejudice. I think it's the root of all wars in many ways, is this whole thing of blame and these kinds of things. Amen. The toughest thing in ministry is to see the way people accuse each other and, and even accuse us and go through these kinds of things. And you know what? The people that are the worst are sometimes the people closest to us. Good friend of mine was Steve Romine. Steve uh, was my assistant for years, and he was the deal. And he went to Montana to pioneer and I want to tell you, Montana's a cold place. 
cold, cold place. And he's there and it's like 30 below. He's freezing and a friend of his comes up to him, the guy that got him the job he's doing. He's hanging cabinets at a big construction site and there's tons of guys working there. And he says, you notice it's cold? My God, it's freezing. I'm dying. He said, I'm going to give you a secret, Steve. That'll, that'll really help you. You notice when we go to church, this guy was a Christian, those women are in pantyhose. And yet, in the cold, they're still okay. <laughs> well, all you women know this is a lie. <laughs> but he said, you won't believe it, but all these men are wearing pantyhose right now. You know, and this is Montana, it's tough guys and, and cowboys. And Steve's going, you gotta be kidding me. No, no, it's, it's unbelievable. Try it. So Steve goes home that night and his wife, Jenny, was about 6'2". <laughs> and problem was Steve was probably 6'4", 6'5". And pantyhose aren't exactly made to fit a man's physique. But he got a pair of her pantyhose and put them on. <laughs> And you can see him there at work. There's like 20 guys right around and he's putting in the cabinet. His buddy, the Christian friend, the Christian friend comes up to him and said, hey, Steve, are you doing? He says, well, yeah, I, I got them on, but man, these are kind of tight, <laughs> you know. And they don't seem to be working. I'm freezing. And his friend yells out, hey, guys, this guy's wearing pantyhose. <laughs> Steve said it was the most embarrassed he's ever been in all his life. And because your friend has expired. How many can relate to that? Hallelujah. I got to watch Alec all the time. He, he almost made me do something horrible just last night. He's hiding and comes out and grabs me in the dark. <laughs> That's a friend. Sometimes. And he's laughing over there because he thought it was the best thing he did all week. Here's the conclusion, and we want to bring it to an end. We got two minutes. Adam's messed up. He's blown creation. I mean, you can't do it. There's nobody in this room that's done that bad. And yet God still says... I'm going to use you. And he asked him to step up and do it. I'm here to tell you tonight, God needs you. Look at the person next to you and say, God needs you. You don't, you, she said, you don't know me. I've, I'm, I'm a, I've known. Did, did you eat the apple? <laughs> did you hide from God when he asked you to come out? And Adam, what Adam had to do was get up and face God naked and walk out to serve God. I encourage us to believe God's going to use us. How many say God's going to use us? I want to pray for two things real quick as we close. Let me look and see what they were. Amen. No, one thing. Let's just do this one thing. This isn't what I really preached on, but, but, I, but I feel it. It's time to move. It's time to move. You say, I can't move. I'm not capable. I'm not competent. 
There's somebody worse than you. There's somebody that you could help. And I believe we're at a divine moment of God breaking in. If you'd say, there's areas of my life that I got to move in. Maybe it's to hear God. Maybe it's to do it. Would you stand? Would you just stand? Anybody at all? You just stand. And I'm standing with you. I'm standing with you because I don't think there's a more vital time and a vital time in Kingman, Arizona, in this church than right now. And, and, and how many can hear the Holy Spirit that when you stood, it wasn't just, you're not just doing like, but you believe that God told you to stand. Raise your hand in addition. Let's pray. Father, we pray breakthrough. We, th- we pray breakthrough. God, we pray that you would cause us to be more than conquerors. God, that you would cause us to find the power of the Holy Spirit to face hell, to face our fears, to break those things that have held us back. God, maybe we've been doing great, better than we've ever done before, but God, we want to do even better. And we claim, God, your power and your anointing. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to somebody next to you and say, we can do it. We can do it. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.